Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Now, as we get started, before we get started, this is something that it reminded me of in our growth group. Uh, we talked about this right as we got into December, and the question was, are you looking forward to Christmas, or do you like Christmas? And I didn't want to use the word hate to say how I felt about Christmas, but I would say that I was not looking forward to it and that I loathe Christmas. And yeah, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, and, and so for Christmas hangover, what was, this is the birth of my savior for goodness sakes. You would think I might be a little more positive than that. And so what I did is it's, it actually bothered me a little bit and as I was going through the series, Christmas Hangover, I thought it was important for me to understand why. Why, why don't you like this, Dan? And it also happens, for those of you who don't know, it's my birthday. So Christmas Day is my birthday, so why am I not looking forward to this more? And so I went back, and, it, and I, it, it all of a sudden, the one day, it just clicked on why I, I just don't look forward to it. And the reason why is at my previous church, it all started Thanksgiving. And the Thanksgiving was the beginning of the end because Thanksgiving, we'd always have a midweek service. And, and what that means for a pastor when there's only one pastor at the church is you get to have the, the regular Sunday before Thanksgiving, which was always deer hunting. So I was always stressed out about that anyways because I'd go deer hunting, then I have to get back. Then you'd have a midweek service. Midweek means another message, another program, more sermon notes. And then you get to follow that up after, Christmas, or after Thanksgiving with the normal Sundays, right? Well, the church I was at also had services that were called Advent services. Advent is the, is the, the time period of time of preparation up until Christmas. And so during that Advent season, we also had worship services on Wednesdays, a completely different service. At, uh, we'd have one at 4 o'clock, and then we would have, after that service, we'd have a dinner, and then there would be another service after that. Uh, so now all of a sudden, as Christmas approached, I was getting double messages during the week, and uh, so all this is going on. Then we also had, in this church, a, a children's program. So the children's program was always a nightmare because you have to get all these kids to learn their parts, and so you got to get them on weekends, weekend practices, trying to get all the people together. And there were people who would help, and they were wonderful people, but they would always be freaking out because the kids never knew their parts. So it was always this, this deadline of getting to that kids' program. And then after that, the, the part also that got me was Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Christmas Eve, we would usually get home at 9 o'clock, and, and it was time when we would open gifts and spend as a family, but I had to write a completely new message for the next day. And, and so it was, so we would have that Christmas Day. After Christmas Day, we would get in the car, drive 10 hours to South Dakota to, to spend uh, Christmas with my in-laws. Merry Christmas. <laughs> no, they're great. But anyways, when we went there, we would all stay at my in-law's house. They have nine children, 
three-bedroom house plus all the grandchildren, there were usually between 25 and 30 of us that would be staying in this house. And just that whole time period from there, and then what would happen a couple times, the pastor there called me and said, hey, I'm going to be going on vacation over Christmas, and I know you're going to be out here. Would you mind taking the next Sunday for me? And of course, I said, sure, I'm happy to help. I'll be out there anyways. Yeah, don't worry about it. It will all be good. Okay, so, so this is what's going on, and I'm going to tell you what I had at that time was a hangover. Without any drinking involved, I had a hangover. Now, before you feel sorry for me, remember, I'm married to a wonderful wife with five children, and during that time period when I'm stressing about all this stuff going on, I'm taking it out on them. And for that reason, even now, Christmas, asking me to decorate for Christmas, watch out. Because it's like, don't you think I have anything else to do? You know, I got all this stuff going on. Can't you just put the tree up? Get the, you know, can you help me with the heavy stuff? Get a couple kids to help you. You know, I know they're only four, but come on. <laughs> and so during this time period too, she will also want me to tell you, she played the piano for all of these services. So she had all the music and the preparation for the services as well. In those 20 years, I don't think I bought our kids one Christmas present. So for me, watching them open their present was, oh, I wonder what they got this year. And, and so all of this is going on. Then, then as I'm driving 10 hours, she's dealing with the kids in the, the, the car. And, and by the time we get out to the in-laws with all of these different things, she's hungover. Well, then our kids especially when they were young, you put them in a car for 10 hours, we don't get out there till midnight maybe, and then they want to see their cousins, so they're out of their sleep schedules. It seemed like every year when we were out there in South Dakota, we, we went to the walk-in with an ear infection or one of the kids being sick, and then they're hungover, hungover from Christmas, out of their schedule and just grumpy. And all of a sudden, it, it dawned on me, oh my goodness, I, I, in this whole thing and, and having the, the series we did this year, Don't Miss Christmas, that I realized we had. And all of this was just bringing a, all these feelings every year at Thanksgiving. Then throw it in the last two years, this is the first year since 2011 we've had a tree because when we moved down here, we moved down over Christmas. And then the next year, because we rented for a year, we bought a house and moved again, which means this is the first time we've had a tree and Christmas decorations from, since 2011. Wow. And, and as I, I, I thought about that, it, it all of a sudden made sense with all of this stuff going on, why this is, is happening. And I have to believe that at some point you go through the same. And, and so... Look at the first, the first passage from Proverbs 23. And I'm going to make it clear that this specifically is talking about alcohol, okay? When we're talking about Christmas hangover, maybe that is part of yours if, if you have abused alcohol or, or something like that. And, and, but that's not what we're talking about in particular. What we're talking about is this concept of a hangover. And this is what Proverbs 23 says. Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake, 
and poisons like a viper. That's a concept I, I think that, that, that people someone understand and, and that as we look at this, the hangover, that when you drink too much, you get a hangover, that what happened the night before goes into the next day, and it does, it bites you, that it, that it makes you sick, it makes you grumpy, it, it takes a, a piece out of you. And so in the blank, the first blank right, too much of a good or bad thing leads to a hangover. Too much of a good or bad thing leads to a hangover. And as we're looking at this, I want to say this again. An example of a hangover physically could be that you want to get in shape in the new year. And so you decide, you know what, I'm going to go down to LA Fitness and I'm going to do leg day. And I'm going to do leg presses and I'm going to use the leg machine and I'm going to do squats and I'm going to do lunges. I've been there before. And then two days later, when I walk into our staff meeting and they ask, what's wrong with you? And it's like, I can't bend my legs. Someone help me sit down. I can't, I can't sit down or get up because it's too much of a good thing. And physically, it, it takes a toll on you. But what you need to understand is that Christmas does the same. It's, it's a physical toll because probably you're running and your schedules are different. It's an emotional toll as well. Maybe things that you haven't thought about, especially during the holidays, people think about loss. The person who's not there, who was there the year before, uh, of going on without them. Maybe it's a situation with family members that you try to stay away from and haven't seen in a year. And once you're together, it brings all of those things back up. What you need to understand, I don't know if, if you understand that, all of those emotions need to go somewhere. And, and when they're not processed, and, and even sometimes when they are, you are going to have a hangover. It's going to affect you in a, in a physical way. You're not going to feel well. It's going to affect you in a bunch of different ways. What this message series is about is, is the help and the promises and the comfort that God gives to us when we are in these situations and, and, and I don't know if, if you've ever seen someone who, who has had a hangover from alcohol and said, I'm never going to have anything to drink again. I'm done with this. Well, that's the way I was feeling about Christmas. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and I thought the problem was Christmas, but it's not. The problem was me. Let's look at the message and, and see how, how this can happen. And where we go is we go back to the Apostle Paul and he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And this is what he wrote. He said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul was under a huge amount of pressure. And the huge amount of pressure that he was under was due to the fact that God had called him to share the good news of Jesus Christ. This pressure, and it came because it almost seemed like when Paul would go from one town to another, you, the script repeated itself again and again. That Paul would go to a synagogue and he would speak to the Jewish people and he would say, I got some great news for you. The Christ that you've been waiting for for the last 2,000, 3,000 plus years, 
he came, and his name is Jesus. He, he lived a perfect life for you. He was put to death, but three days later, he, he rose from the dead, and now he has gone to be with the Lord in heaven. God has, has fulfilled his promise for you. And people would believe that, that they would recognize that Jesus was indeed the Christ, that, that their sins were paid for. And it would be such a, a high. It, it was just, it was awesome. But there would also be those in, in the same group who would not believe. And not only who would not believe, but hated Paul because of that message. And they would make trouble for him. They would tell lies about him. They would use the legal system. They would try to get him arrested more than once he was beaten. And, and, and the cycle just continued until he would have to leave town and go to another one. And then it would seem like they would catch up with him there. And there was this huge amount of pressure. This pressure of being God's plan to share the good news of salvation. And notice how bad it had gotten that, that Paul had despaired of, of life itself. It was beyond his ability to, to endure it. It's like, I don't know how much longer I can handle this. And, and Paul was telling them, saying, you need to understand this because part of living a Christian life is that you are under pressure. The pressure caused by knowing Jesus as your Savior because there's always going to be a pressure against that from people who don't believe that and Satan who is working against you. So, so this is what gets me, though. Paul writes this in his second letter to the Corinthians, right at the beginning. This is right up front. But in the first letter to the Corinthians, he wrote this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. The people in Corinth had to go, Paul, which is it? In 1 Corinthians, you tell us, in the first letter you said, God will not let you tempted beyond what you can bear. And now in this letter, you tell us, you're, you're, being, you're receiving so much pressure beyond what you can endure. So what is it? Does God give you more pressure or not? In the first blank, does God give me more than I can handle or not? Can write there, yes. Yes. God does give you more than you can handle. The world in which we live gives us more than we can handle. But the second point is, is also important and needs to be with it. But never more than he can handle. And, and what this whole issue is about, just, just so we, this whole idea of burnout and where we go, if you want to write one word that, that summarizes what this message is about, it's, it's about control. Who is in control in my life? Am I in control or is God in control of my life? And, and as I've had the privilege of looking back and trying to see the misery that I associated with Christmas, there is no doubt who was in control, and that was me. Control of my messages, control of the service times, control of the, of the schedule, uh, control of, of the way the services would be put together so that uh, people would enjoy them or not enjoy them. And so it all fell on me. Uh, if, if there was anything bad, if anyone had any criticisms that came on me, if, if anyone had any praise, well, that also came to me. 
which, which I liked. And, and all of a sudden, it, it, it made me realize that the question would always come down to, how am I going to fix this? If, if it is something that I am going to fix it, if, if it is on me, it is only a matter of time before the pressure becomes so much that I can't handle it, that it's a, a, beyond my ability to endure. But when these things fall on God, when he is the one in control, the almighty, the all-powerful, we're in good shape. Now, before we get into that anymore, I, I think it's important that we need to, to go down that path of, of the control path, of, of things in my life that, that get so bad that the situations are out of control, and, and when I try to get control of them, what it does to me and what it does to you. The next passage is from 1 Kings 19, verse 4. This is Elijah. Elijah dealt with the prophets of Baal. He defeated 500 prophets of Baal. He was going against an unbelieving king, uh, one of the great prophets of all time, maybe the greatest prophet. And this, these were his words. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I don't know in Elijah's ministry if he realized that God had given him a tremendous amount of ability, that God was with him. And maybe Elijah felt the same way that I did when I was a pastor, when I first started, and said, you know what? I don't know if I would say this out loud, but I would say, I, I, I think I'm at least in the upper 50% of, of pastors, right? So I think I, I'm going to make an impact on this world. I think I'm going to make a difference, maybe in, in, in ways that these other pastors haven't. So that when other pastors would warn me, hey, you got to watch it during that, that holiday season, during Christmas time, you, you need to take care of yourself. I'd say, are you kidding me? I got it, okay? I have it under control. I'm a pastor. This is kind of what I do until it gets you. And, and when it does, when it finally dawns on you that the only, that there's, not, there's no difference, between those who have gone before me and me today. They were sinful. They were weak. They were in need of a savior. Things were out of control. And the same is true for me. That ability has nothing to do with this. But rather, sinfulness has everything to do with it. And the great need that we have for God in whatever situation we are in, whether it be one that is directly related to ministry or things that are going on in our lives, we need God. We need him completely. Also, Moses, Numbers 11, verse 15. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me if I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. I'm going to tell you that it is very uncomfortable for me to share these verses. And I, I tell you, there's a bunch more. It's not like these are the only two prophets that have ever prayed to God that they would die. And I don't think, I, I'll, I'll say I've never done that. And, and the reason why I get a little 
uncomfortable is it almost sounds, were they suicidal? I mean, were they, how far were they going to go with this? And, and if someone is here is in that situation where it's like, pastor, this is out of control, that the reason we say this is because not that, not that that is an option, but to tell you that's the way that people feel. And, and maybe the way that I would say it is that I wanted to quit, okay? That, that I would say, Lord, I want this to end. However this ends, just make the pain stop. The problem is, is for Moses, that he was going to still have to lead these people. That just, it was going to happen. The job was going to be there the next day. For me as a pastor, Christmas is coming next year. So you're still struggling though. And, and you don't know where to go. In, in the blank you can write, sometimes I just feel like I am burned out. And underneath that you can write a crosswalk. The way that we kind of group that is real people. If you ever hear at crosswalk, us use that phrase, real people, what we mean is that we're not cool, not, that we're not even normal, whatever normal is. But when we say real people, what we mean is people who have issues, people who have problems, that people who on some days look at their lives and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to go on. I look at this situation and I don't see how I'm going to, to, to make it better and I've been blinded because I don't see how you are going to do it either. It's, it's real people, it's honest, it's transparent, it's admitting your own shortcomings and your great need for God. So as Paul was honest about this, he then followed up with 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And all of a sudden, for, for Paul, it, the whole situation and the cycle that he went through made sense. And, and what made sense to him is, is that in his ministry, there were times when he, when he trusted his own ability and his own strength too much. And, and God would put him in these situations or he would find himself in these situations and, and he found himself completely hopeless and helpless. And then God would come and, and deliver him. And where does he go with this? Notice when he said, we felt we had received the sentence of death. <laughs> he goes from that to, but we serve the God who raises the dead. And so in his worst case scenario, that, that this would end in death, that, that God is the one who even in that darkest situation brings life. In the blank you can write, in the darkest times, God works his greatest victories. And underneath that, you can write real faith. Real people, real faith. So at the same time that, that Paul can be despairing and not, going, not knowing how he's going to go on, and then flip almost immediately and say, but my God is the God who raised the dead, who raised Jesus, who dealt with our, our biggest issue. And, and we go to that dark day, the dark day of Good Friday when Jesus died on the cross, and how dark that was for Jesus' disciples and asking, how could we go on? Where do we go from here? How do we fix this? to Easter morning when Jesus rose from the dead and brought about that, that great victory, brought life and immortality to all people. 
to God's children. That is where God wants us to go at those times when, when we can't find our way out with our own strength to turn to him who has dealt with our biggest issue of sin and also deals with every issue we bring to him in our lives. Paul goes on. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. What Paul had noticed in his life was a pattern. And the pattern that, that in the same way that at every town there was people who would believe, people who wouldn't believe, there were people who would beat him up, people who would want to get rid of him, people who would try to kill him, that also there was another side of that, and that would be God protecting him. God getting him through there and God taking him to another place that, that every one of these situations and one after the other seemed more and more hopeless that he began to see this pattern, the pattern that God was with him every step of the way, even at the darkest times. It's a pattern that God has set forth in his, his word. Why he's given us the Old and New Testament to show that these real people who went through real problems and real despair and who did not know how they would go forward in the darkest times that God would bring his promises and God would save his people. He did this to show us that he is worthy of our trust. And look in your lives to see how God has done the same. How God has saved you through the darkest times. And now, if it happens to be a time where you are in a dark place, at a time when, when you are being real, when you are being honest, that you don't know where you're going from here, to be assured that your God does. Real faith. Trusting God for your future. Later in this same letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote this about him, himself and his relationship with God and his own weakness. He wrote, but he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's hard, because I don't know about you, but when I look at these, when I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, these are the things I try to stay away from. These are the things I try to stay as far away from. And as, if you want to just throw Christmas on there too, uh, of things that I'm just like, I don't want to deal with the pain of those things. But in the midst of them, for, for Paul to be able to say, when I am weak, when I take them off my weak, narrow shoulders, and take them to the Lord for him to carry, that's when I become strong. That's when Paul can also say, through Christ I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because what I've done is I've, I've simply put the load on him and not on myself. When Christ is fighting my battles, when Christ is carrying my load, I'm strong. When I am, I am weak. In the blank, you can write, my weakness makes me rely on God, which makes me strong. 
My weakness makes me rely on God, which makes me strong. On Saturday nights, we have a recovery ministry. And uh, with the recovery ministry, it is, it's not just about alcohol and, and drug abuse and people who have, is, have had issues with that, but that's part of it. And, uh, and when we first started meeting, because of the way that our services worked at Saturday, we'd have services and then it would be after. Now it's during the Saturday night service. But back when it was after, I would go to these meetings, especially when they got started, just to try to give them encouragement and, and get going. And so I, I would go in the meetings, and uh, it, it was all, always interesting because I would say, you know, my name's Dan, and I'm not an alcoholic. And then, ooh, denial, you know, or whatever. But, but I wasn't. I didn't have a problem. I don't have a problem with alcohol, and I don't have a problem with dr- drug use or drug abuse. My addiction is much more socially acceptable. And that is, the, the issue that I have is things that I put in my mouth, namely food. And, and the other one is, is what comes out of my mouth, and that is just some of the things that I say. I just, anyways. So some of you people are my, my dealers. Mike uh, Venner is, is like my dealer because he's got the donuts out there every, at the cafe, and it's like, stay away from him because that's, that's my issue. So what was interesting, though, is this, is as I went to that, with that group, and I met with these people, one of the first things that, that they do as they go through these steps is the first step is to admit that my life is totally unmanageable, that it's out of control, and that I need God to help me. And, and as I looked at that, this is the way I thought. I divided my life into those parts that are manageable and those that are not manageable. So I was like, oh, yeah, the alcohol thing, I don't have a problem with that. Drug thing, I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem with this and this and this. And, and so I'm living in this, this part of my life where I'm relying on my own strength for these things and on God's strength for these things. And what happens, the, the pressure of life and, and the pressure that Paul went through and, and also I think the pressure of Christmas makes me finally realize and all of a sudden one day it clicks, it's all unmanageable. I might not be struggling with this right now, but the reality of it is, is that if I'm relying on myself to, to manage my life without the help of the Lord in these areas, I'm finished. Then I am relying on my own strength, which actually makes me weak. And that is why as we confess our sins and our sinfulness and our need, it's something I think we all need to get through our heads. You don't need God just for that, that area of where you're struggling right now. You need him completely for all of it. And when you start from that point of view, you go from being weak to being strong because it is God's strength on which you rely. And it would be enough if he just gave us that, but he gives us more. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 10 and 11 says this, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. 
And so what, what's happened, I, I've found, is this, is that God has done all these things, but then he's given us each other. And a way that we help is that we help individuals who are going through issues with our prayers. And, and this is the, the thing that, that over the 20 years where I started hating and hating Christmas more and more, what I didn't even realize at the time as I'm trying to control this, I would get cards. I would get cards from people I didn't even know from different churches that were part of our church body. And they would say, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and let you know that during this holiday season, we're praying for you. And, and we, uh, we just want you to know that. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I got work to do. Don't have time to look at these cards. And, and the truth was this, is that those prayers were holding me up. At the times when I didn't even realize how much I needed them because I thought I had everything under control was those prayers of those people that were helping me along the way, the prayers that were going out on behalf of the Apostle Paul. And it was just so great. I, I preached this on Saturday, yesterday, and there was a family who had never been to Crosswalk before, and we were walking out, and as we walked out, they said to me, Pastor Dan, we want to pray for something specifically for you. What can we pray for? And it was just so refreshing. And so I'll tell you, I, I said, please pray for our Saturday night service. Right now, it, we started a Saturday evening service hoping that we would get much more attendance and more people would have an opportunity to worship. And I think Saturday night, there were about 35 people. And, and we just need it to be more uh, if we're going to continue it. We just do. And the second thing, uh, that's, it, and see, the thing is, it's outside of my control, right? I, there's only so much I can do. And then the other thing I asked him to pray for was people in Levine and South Phoenix who don't know Jesus yet. Because I do, I want to help them and, and share Christ with them. And, and some of that is outside of my ability to control as well. Then I asked them, what could I pray for for you? And it was interesting because they were here visiting for two weeks, but their son is moving to Levine and so they came to church to look for a church for their son to go to, but he wouldn't come because he was too busy moving. And they said, if you could pray for him uh, so that, that he would come, we would be so thankful. And it occurred to me that we were praying for the same thing. Uh, they were praying for their son by name. I was praying for him in a generic way, but we, that's what we're going to do. We're going to support each other. And to have those prayers. That's why the, the prayer cards you put gives us an opportunity to pray for them and, and support each other. So we have the prayers, but the second one, the second verse is just as, if not more important, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 7. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. And, and so not only do we pray for one another, but we comfort one another. And the way that we comfort one another is with the promises that God has given. Not just pleasantries and not just wishing well and hoping that everything turns out okay for you, but the promises of God that, that we can sink our teeth into, that we can grab hold of as we go through situations in, in which we are out of control, that we hold on to these promises and these promises hold on to us as God puts his arms around us and as other Christians put their arms around us as we go forward. In the blank, you can write, we have the privilege of praying for one another 
and comforting each other with the promises of God. We have the privilege of praying for one another and comforting each other with the promises of God. We can do this in many different ways. We can do this with, with in, in families. We can do this with, with friends and, and many different ways. But I'm telling you, if you want to understand when I talk about growth groups, what I'm talking about, it's this. It is the concept of being close enough to people around you that you are, are comfortable to be real with them, that you share your fears, your hurts, your areas where your life is out of control, and real faith is also shared as people are directed not to themselves to look deeper inside for help, but to look outside of themselves to Christ and his promises for help, very real help that comes in real tangible ways as people gather around one another. And, and just in, the, in this past semester, as I look at opportunities where that, that has happened, I think of situations where those individuals have had health issues, health issues that are out of control, that they don't know how this health situation is going to end, whether it's going to continue to get worse or the Lord is going to bring healing and they don't know where to go. And the group gathers around with prayers and comfort from God's word. I've seen it in situations with relationships, relationships with children, relationships with a spouse, uh, relationships with extended family. Where, where they're real and honest with one another about where they're hurting, that a trust bond is developed. Real people sharing real faith and, and real comfort from God and his word. That's what I want for you. That's what your God wants for you. And, and whether it be in, in growth groups as a way to get that or, or through other friendships you have, intentionalize it. That, that for Christians, this is something God wants you to have. It's something we need to have as we go forward. I'd like to leave you with the, the verse, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9, a memory verse. And, and the way that this is all summed up, the, the message for today, and that is, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, each one of us here can take time to think about a situation in their life that is unmanageable, that is out of control, uh, something they don't know where it's going to end and it, it keeps them up at night and it, it wears them out. And uh, Lord, when that happens, a hangover is inevitable, that it affects us in a very real physical, spiritual, emotional type way. But Lord, help us now, each person here, to pray for each other as, as we are aware of these things, but also to bring the comfort that comes from your word. Help us see individually how this out-of-control situation uh, is really serving us by making us more dependent on you. Because when we realize, when we do depend on you, we immediately go from being weak to being strong. Please give us the strength and, and give us this comfort and encouragement that comes through the promises in your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As I think about the the message for today, I, I really like the package of real real people, real faith. And, and the reason why is that that whole idea of real people, that we have real issues, that, that we have a need for real help from our God, that uh, it's not about us being perfect, it, it's about Christ being perfect. And that real faith, uh, knowing that, that in our weakness we go to our God and, and he is there for us. And, and when we do, we go from being weak to strong. And, and that is the, the promise and, and that is the cure uh, for the hangover, it really is. And, and, and even more than that, it's not just the cure for the hangover, but it makes me look forward to next Christmas. It really does. That, to take it back and, and to say that in these areas where things are outside of my control, to, to put them in, in God's court and then to truly enjoy the gift uh, that he has given us in Jesus Christ. And as you go, go forward with God's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. God bless your day.